We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to AFA at the Core. Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach, with you this afternoon. Thanks for joining us and staying plugged in, staying informed. Hopefully we can provide a little bit of education and equipping and maybe even a little inspiration along the way to encourage you to stay involved in what's happening out there in the culture. Uh, lots of things in the last few days, a lot of good and a little bit of bad and ugly. More good, I think. I mean, there's there's uh, just several stories uh, to highlight right off the bat today. Uh, and then, of course, stay with us throughout the program. Looking forward to a special guest in our, our second segment. But let me just run through some of the headlines real quick that have happened Last few days, uh, on the good side of things, first of all, uh, California, we've had more and more of these suits uh, dealing with the fines. So if you remember when the the COVID crackdowns came down, and it was bad all over the country, but Newsom was uh, maybe the worst, at least one of the top three worst governors in the country on this, and literally telling churches, not just if they could open, but whether or not they could sing hymns whether or not you could take communion, all of this crazy stuff. And, uh, you know, there were some great pastors in California that stood up, said no. Um, you know, ever, most everybody said, okay, we'll give it a couple of weeks. We're going to figure out just how bad this is and whether or not, you know, we are going to have people dropping like flies and this is going to be Ebola with a 50% case fatality rate. Very quickly, uh, you could tell, especially when the Diamond Princess came in and we knew from that that cruise ship and the folks that had all been trapped on that ship, that the numbers were not going to be anywhere near a Spanish flu or a or an Ebola or anything like that. And uh, and and we predicted, uh, I I know we said two weeks into it, this will be a at, at most a 0.1% case fatality rate. Uh, everybody uh, laughed and said, no, all you had to do was look at the Stanford research in San Diego. They did some very quick studies there. Uh, the virus was already out. You already had, you know, many more people with it than what the uh, the, the government was willing to admit. And, and that changes your stats. You know, if the, if, if the government is saying that only 100 people have it and, and 10 people died, you got a 10% case fatality rate. But if in reality, 1,000 people had it, and 10 people died, you got a 1% case fatality rate. And the, and the actual reality of it was that 10,000 people, and I'm using raw numbers here, it was millions of people, already had it, and it was a 0.1% case fatality rate, which means you have a 1 in 1,000, 1 in 1,000 chance of dying from this thing, uh, especially if you're under 80 and you don't have the you know massive number of comorbidities and, and all of those things. So anyway, we knew this very quickly. And so as we figured that out, and these pastors in California were saying, hey, we're not, uh, we're not, you know, crazy snake handlers. We're looking at the science. We're we're looking at the data. We're not being foolish. We, we care about our congregation and we're making smart decisions. But they knew a couple of weeks, three weeks in, uh, there is no reason to not be having church. And even if you wanted to take the, you know, extra precautions of, of um, you know, having mass or, or fit, sitting six feet apart or whatever. I mean, we had we had friends out there that did communion and literally had one person at a time come in and sit down and or a few people at a time and spread way out. Uh, and the state still wasn't happy. Gavin Newsom wanted everybody to bow to his orders and stay at home and uh, do nothing and certainly didn't want churches meeting. When churches most needed to be meeting, and I'll say to any church, any pastor out there, if uh, if you decided after two or three weeks, or certainly after two or three months, to still not meet, 
what you basically said to the world is that you were not essential. And, and, the, and the government told you you weren't essential, and you said, okay, we're not essential. Our people don't need us. Uh, we're just going to ignore the biblical command to, to forsake not the fellowship of the believers. But for those pastors that refuse to do that, that refuse to obey government instead of God and said, no, Romans 13 does not tell us to bow to anything that government says. Uh, we're not going to follow in 1930s Germany's uh, the church's position back then, which Romans 13 was the number one sermon preached back then, and too much of the church bowed to Hitler and allowed those atrocities to take place. There were good pastors that stood up and said, nope, that is not what Romans 13 says. We're to submit to government when it's doing good, and we're supposed to submit to the authority, which is us. We are ultimately in our system. This is not the Roman Empire, where Caesar's the authority in our nation. We, the people, are the authority. And a lot of pastors in California and across the country, I'm not, you know, all you pastors listening from outside of California, I'm not leaving you out of this, but but our, our good news today comes out of California because We've been winning lawsuits there for these pastors like John MacArthur and, and Rob McCoy and Jack Hibbs and Mike McClure and all these others that had, I mean, hundreds of thousands, some of them millions of dollars in fines levied against them by this oppressive government of the Newsom administration and local county governments that were absolute tyrants, petty tyrants. And uh, at the end of the day, John MacArthur won his lawsuit, um, a lot of others won their lawsuits, and looks like now Mike McClurg, a great guy out there, I've had him on the radio program multiple times, looks like he is not going to have to pay. The Supreme Court, California Supreme Court has uh, has restricted the Santa Clara County officials from uh, forcing him to pay $217,500 in fines. And uh, so that's the county fines that he was that he was facing. So that's good news, folks. Very good news out of California. And I know that feels weird. Is everybody like right now your gut's going, wait, good news, California, same sentence? Really? We got good news? Yes, yes. Anywhere in the country, don't give up. The principles of liberty still work. You fight these things. You stand for good and win or lose. It's important to stand. And here we are two years later, finally getting a victory here on this particular case in California. So congrats to Pastor Mike and the Calvary Chapel there on that victory against the county and to all the other pastors that stood up and said no to these over uh, overzealous uh, government intrusion uh, scenarios. Okay, other good news. We got a second congressman now renouncing his vote for the Destruction of Marriage Act, or some people call it the Disrespect for Marriage Act. Uh, so, we, you, you know, you had, let's see, what was it, 12 Republicans in the Senate that voted for this, and first time around in the House, 47 Republicans uh, voted for it. And and just as a reminder, if you're listening first time today or, or, or weren't listening last week when we talked about this and, and, and called out the 12 Republicans in the Senate, by the way, and shamed them as they should be shamed, uh, Joni Ernst and Tom Tillis and all the rest that um, essentially uh, violated not only biblical values, but Republican Party platform values and, and the people that elected them in these you know, um, you know, well, in Joni Ernst's case, very conservative state or mostly conservative state, and and uh, Tillis, uh, you know, North Carolina. Come on, I mean, these uh, anyway. They 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 voted for this. We shamed them last week. Uh, then unfortunately, they continued to vote for it. But two now, two of the House Republicans that had voted for it uh, have uh, have changed their mind and uh, and and said they're not going to vote for it. the final passage. The way this works, you, you got to have a bill passed both houses that's the exact same. So if you if you pass a bill on the house side of things and then the Senate takes it up and they make some changes, you got to get it back over to the house or you got to have a reconciliation committee or whatever it's going to be to get the same thing to pass both houses. So the house is now 
Uh, they're, they're, of course, in this lame duck Congress. Now, remember, this is a House that has been thrown out of power. So you got a Democrat House that's going to now pass a major piece of legislation after they are no longer the choice of the people. That's what you call a lame duck Congress. It should not be allowed. We should not allow them to do things like this during this uh, two-month interim period between the election and the swearing-in, but they're doing it. And so here they go. They're going to pass this this uh, this incredibly, incredibly bad bill. This is not just a slightly bad bill. It's a horrible bill. The the fixes, quote, and some of the amendments that got on did not fix the bill. Uh, they took care of a couple of little situations, but Mike Lee's amendment did not get on in the Senate that would have taken care of some big situations, and no matter what, it would have still been a bad bill. But anyway, thank you to, um, uh, and I pro- apologize if I pronounce this wrong, Representative Mario Diaz-Balart, uh, Republican in Florida, has said he um, will revo- reverse his vote where he had voted in favor of House Resolution 8404 and uh, and now has said that he will not vote for it. So that's, uh, hey, that's good news. I mean, I know it's still going to pass, but, I, but what that tells you is that the pressure has uh, has helped and that we've gotten more and uh, and more to say no. Now, Scott Perry of Pennsylvania, I was surprised when he was listed on the yay votes. He says he blames the expedited vote for Republicans' confu- confusion and his former yay vote. So I don't know what exactly happened that day. Maybe there's more of the 47 that are ultimately going to going to vote no now that it'll be a more clear vote we'll see what happens there but i was really surprised to see his name scott perry's name there uh at at any rate he's he's typically been pretty conservative so i i just uh i I am still disappointed of course that it's going to pass this is a very bad bill for for marriage for family for freedom uh for federalism it's going to allow crazy states to pass crazy marriage laws and then force them on other states and, of course, we're going to need more and more federalism, which means we're going to need more and more governors willing to say no to that and stand up and refuse to acquiesce. So I, I, I hope that it will strengthen uh, a lot of these uh, a lot of these pastors to to stand up and encourage their legislators in their particular state to say no. So a couple of good pieces of, of news there. Um, not so good news. Uh, in fact, terrible news. This would go under the bad and ugly list. We are we are finding um, more and more excess deaths, about a forty percent increase in in insurance payouts. Um, um, crazy, you know. We, we we've seen the athletes in the prime of their life dropping dead left and right. I mean, it's like every day there's another story of an athlete dying on the on the field or dying in their sleep or or some you know thirty year old actor or, or or somebody else. I mean, it's happening over and over again. Um, so now there is a report. This is let's see, Epic Times. Uh, autopsy series finds an array of fatal vaccine syndromes. Um, Epic Times says the public is becoming increasingly disturbed with reports of death among the vaccinated. It's natural to ask, was the death caused by vaccination? Now, this is it's hard to get reports on this. We see all these headlines of these shocking deaths, but you rarely hear whether or not they were vaccinated, whether or not it happened within a certain period of time. And so apparently there is a study, at least out of Germany at this point, that of 35 fatalities within 20 days of the injection, uh, 10 were ruled uh, ru- ruled out as clearly not due to the vaccine. So it was like a drug overdose or that sort of thing. So we need to be intellectually honest here. Not do We need to not do what the COVID cult people did um, all throughout at least the first year of, of, of the overreactions to COVID where they blamed everything on COVID. Remember how they were listing guy dies of a, ca- a car accident. You know, he's flies through the windshield and hits a tree, and uh, and they're still going to blame COVID because he tested positive for COVID, uh, and somehow that caused it. We're not going to play that game, right? So we're not going to say that someone died of the vaccine 
when they died of a drug overdose or they died of a car accident and they just happened to have had the vaccine in the last 20 days. However, we will report and say um, for the 25, the, the rest of the article says the remaining 25, 71% of those that, that, that died within 20 days of infection had final diagnosis diagnoses. I don't know how you pronounce that. I'm a country boy. Leave me alone. Uh, diagnosis is <laughs> consistent with a, I shouldn't laugh at a story like this, with a vaccine injury syndrome, including myocardial infarcation there's these are gonna be some big words y'all stay with me here because i have a hard time with big words worsening heart failure vascular aneurysm pulmonary embolism fatal stroke uh and vaccine induced thrombotic thrombocytopenia yeah i know i was way off on that one i failed the test interestingly five cases had acute myocarditis as the cause of death with the histio histopathology and the heart muscle showing patchy inflammation very similar to that that was seen in the deltoid muscle where the mRNA vaccine was injected. <clears throat> okay, so the report, according to Epic Times, has told us 71% of deaths that occur within 20 days of taking the vaccine appear to be due to conditions well known to occur with COVID-19 vaccination. Inflammation in the heart was uh, was coincident with the same pattern of inflammation in the arm. This was, uh, this we can conclude... Uh, Thus, we can conclude death within a few days of vaccination is most likely due to the genetic product, and that inflammation in the arm may be a surrogate for a similar process in the heart. The very high yield of post-vaccination autopsy should spur families and physicians to push for post-mortem exams so we can learn more on how this medical procedure is leading to such a large loss of human life. Okay, look, folks, that's uh, – now, by the way, that is uh, that is by uh, Peter uh, McCullough. Dr. McCullough is the most published guy on this subject, so he ought to be somebody we listen to um, on all of these subjects and uh, not somebody that should be canceled by the media. And we should just get all the information. I mean, look, we should have had all the information on COVID deaths. We should get all the information on the vaccine deaths. At this point, it's millions of people that have been uh, either harmed, injured seriously, I mean, serious bodily injury or death as a result of the vaccine itself. And people need to know about that. And, you know, informed consent. For some people, it still makes sense to get the vaccine. For some people, most people, it doesn't make sense to get it. Certainly not to get the 14,000th booster. Okay, fifth. I think they're on fifth or sixth at this point. So it's just informed consent. We ought to know these things, folks. There's nothing wrong with getting the information out there and making sure that folks know. One more good news as we go to break. Arkansas uh, in uh, Eureka Springs, of all places, where the Passion Play is, the government was trying to get rid of the nativity scene there. They have backed off, and it will now be allowed. Of all places, Eureka Springs. I mean, that's where we all go from all over the nation to see the Passion Play, and they don't want a nativity scene. It tells you the left is in every community across this country, and we have to fight them. And when we fight them, they back off. That's what happened here. Victory in Eureka Springs. So thanks to Todd Starnes for bringing attention to that one, and thanks to the folks that stood up and said no. Quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to AFA at the Core. I'm Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Acts 17.26 conveys to us the reality that we were born and placed in the 21st century by God's specific design. He determined before time where we would live and when we would live there. If you're in Minnesota, Mississippi, or Maine, God put you there on purpose. He's not surprised by the darkness we see around us, nor is he caught off guard by it. In fact, he specifically prepared for it by making sure you're alive right now. God can do whatever he wants but he's chosen to use you and me as ambassadors of his kingdom. We are his torches to light up the darkness. 
Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. If your girl is one of the millions of Gen Zers who love video games, your family already navigates the tension of too much daily. Playing video games or gaming in general requires discernment and self-control, like all enjoyable things. 1 Thessalonians 5.6 warns godly girls to be of a sharp mind, not lulled into temporal things that the world loves. So how do you apply this in your family? First, avoid the instinct to say no video games ever because that won't teach your girl to self-evaluate and lean on the Holy Spirit's guidance. Talk with her about the amount of time spent gaming. Discuss the safety issues surrounding online gaming platforms. And it's even okay to sit next to her in a fun game of Mario Kart from time to time. We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. You can learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. Take a moment to think about who God has used in your life while on your faith journey. Perhaps it was a friend, pastor, or family member. Aren't you glad they took the time to invest in you? Through Operation Christmas Child, a simple shoebox gift opens the door for discipleship, connecting a child with believers in a local church. The Greatest Journey, a dynamic 12-lesson discipleship course, teaches these children how to have a deeper relationship with Jesus. Then, upon graduation, each child receives a certificate and a New Testament in their own language. Operation Christmas Child is able to train teachers and provide all of the materials for only $6 per child. That means for a monthly recurring gift of $6, you could help disciple 12 precious children each year. Will you join Operation Christmas Child in bringing life-changing discipleship to children around the world? To learn more, go to AFR.net. That's AFR.net. And thank you. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core. Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach, with you this afternoon. Thanks for staying with us. And we are right in the middle of our big push with Samaritan's Purse, and it's a great time for you to be a part of Operation Christmas Child. A couple of ways you can donate for that, AFR.net, or you can call in 877-616-2396. That's 877-616-2396. Be a blessing uh, to a child this year. What a great way to give. We're also going to learn about the greatest journey as well. Matt Cottrell is with us from Samaritan's Purse. Great to have you, sir. Thanks for coming on today. Hey, thanks, Rick. Good to be here. Hey, man, thanks for all you guys do with Operation Christmas Child, all the children that you bless around the world. Uh, and, and I'll say, not only the child that gets blessed, the donor that gets blessed, because we get to help a child somewhere around the world, and I think sometimes we don't emphasize that enough. It's a, it's a blessing to be a blessing. So uh, anyway, thanks for making it available, because most people are going, okay, I'd love to help, but I have no idea where to go or what to do. And so you make it so easy for people to be a part of that. And we've been talking about Operation Christmas Child, uh, and our listeners are all packing up those shoe boxes and getting them ready. Uh, they may not know, though, about the greatest journey. So let's, let's talk about that first. What happens after a kid gets one of the shoe boxes. 
Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, after receiving a shoebox gift through Operation Christmas Child, many children have the opportunity to participate in this follow-up discipleship course called The Greatest Journey. And this is a a 12-lesson course um, that uh, is walked through by a trained uh, teacher that we train every, uh, every year. Um, and it's all in the child's local language. It's, you know, we can all relate to discipleship impacts in our own lives, perhaps with a Sunday school or a vacation Bible school, the, um, the impact it's had on our own lives. That's really what The Greatest Journey is like uh, around the world. We've been um, going at it with The Greatest Journey since 2009, and since that time, uh, over 30 million shoebox recipients have participated in The Greatest Journey. Wow. We've had um, over 21 million graduates and, and over 15 million decisions for Christ. It's, a, it's an amazing opportunity we have. So a really, really small impact. No, I, that's incre- incredible. I mean, I, you, you're blowing my mind with the numbers. So you're not saying you're not saying 30 million shoeboxes have been given out. You're saying 30 million of the kids that received a shoebox did the greatest journey. How many shoeboxes exactly have right. you guys given out over that time period? That's amazing. Uh, well, well, it's a good question. In fact, since the start of Operation Christmas Child back in 1993, in fact, this year we are celebrating the 200 millionth um, shoebox. And so we are at about that number now, and we praise the Lord for that. It's been an, it's been an amazing ministry. I can't even come. That's uh, incredible. Okay, so uh, let's go back to the greatest journey then. So, uh, I mean, hundreds of millions have been blessed. To, uh, to 30, that's a high percentage to actually come back and go through the greatest journey. That's impressive. So whatever, whatever yeah. mechanism you're using to... Um, you know, interest them, engage them, and then follow up with them. That that sounds incredibly effective. So well done on even developing the program. But then twenty one point seven million have finished, gone through the whole thing, graduates, right. and fifteen right. million decisions for Christ. I'm guessing this is this is all over the planet. I mean, you guys are. I know you do the shoe boxes all over the planet. So do you have offer the greatest journey all over nations? All over, I, I think it's over a hundred nations. Right. So over 100 countries, we do Operation Christmas Child, and we get the greatest journey into as many of those countries as we can. And you talk about how how those numbers are possible. It really is through the local church. Every country we go in with every Operation Christmas Child ministry, we are partnering with the local church. In fact, we've got over 80,000 ministry partners, the local church around the world that we partner with every single year. So you talk about a mechanism to make all that happen. It really is the local church at each one of these villages, towns, and cities that OCC works in. It's, it's really cool. So for our listeners t- today, listen, you want to be part of something that's making a massive difference on a massive scale all over the planet, uh, donating today for, for this to, to, to be able to impact kids around the planet. Easy, easy one to decide, folks. This is not like, should I d- donate? The question is, how much should I donate? AFR.net, you can go there right now today to make that donation, or 877-616-2396. That's 877-616-2396. So, so that's, you know, Matt, generally speaking, huge impact. What about more personally? I mean, you've been doing this for a while, so I'm assuming you've actually met kids. You've you've had a chance to interact with some of the ones that have been impacted by what you guys are doing. Yeah, you know, you're right. Those those numbers are big, but really, it comes down to that one child who the Lord has uh, specially designed for that one shoebox, and then that one child that walks through the greatest journey. And you're right, um, met kids all over the world uh, over the years, and I just we got a story in from. Lithuania just this year, and really it comes down to lives that have been and are being transformed. And so here's a story out of Lithuania. The the teacher, her name is Jovita, she wrote this story about a boy, his name is Carolus, he's 11 years old, and 
he was um, uh, brought up by his grandmother. His dad's an alcoholic. His mother couldn't take care of him, got handed over to his grandmother, and then eventually uh, to an orphanage just a couple years ago. Uh, the teacher was telling us this um, careless is a, a, a bully to the kids around him. He's throwing rocks at the windows. It's just generally a, a problem child. He's had a rough childhood. And so the teacher goes in the orphanage, Javita, and she starts The Greatest Journey. And um, she writes that she's reading them passages uh, from the Bible. In fact, in the very first TGJ lesson, careless, he confesses that his mom left him. He says no one loves him. So they're walking through the greatest journey. Um, Javita's reading him passages about Jesus' love for him, that Jesus is his personal best friend. And all the teachers, all the children are praying for careless. And, and just in the last couple of weeks, we got this story in, uh, praying that the hatred would be gone out of this uh, young boy's heart. And uh, as of today, he's passed all 12 of oh, the wow. TGJ lessons. He now... Uh, is asking for forgiveness, and he sings Christian songs on his knees. And he actually said himself, and this is how it's written down, he says, Jesus is in my heart. Oh, wow. And so we see a change in this young boy's heart, and that's one one of those 30 million children that have walked through the greatest journey. So it really does come down to that one child uh, that we uh, that we see whose life has been changed on behalf mm. of the greatest journey through the power and the, uh, the work of the Holy Spirit. Matt, man, that's what it's all about right there, brother. That's, um, you know, because sometimes we give, we don't know, you know, what happens or we don't know the personal stories. Um, Just multiply what you just described quite literally by millions. I mean, I can't always say, use this like multiply that by 100 or multiply that by (laughs) quite literally multiply that story by millions. And uh, and, and, and what an amazing way. And and, and listen, it starts with the with the shoebox, of course, and that's easy to do. It's I mean, for six bucks. You, you can donate six bucks, and it's going to put that put that in the hands of a student. And now that is the six bucks to put them through the greatest journey, or does that pay for a a shoebox yep. to go? No, so that six dollars is it will cover all the costs for the greatest journey. That includes the training uh, of the teacher, that includes the material itself, and includes the follow up that we do and the man. reporting that we do as well. So six dollars uh, is to provide everything a child needs to go through that twelve lesson discipleship course. Man, okay, okay. Yep. All right, folks, listen. I'm going to get blunt. I'm going to get in your kitchen right now because, and I never ask anybody to donate if I don't donate. So I'm online right now. Afr.net. You can go donate there or eight seven seven six one six two three nine six. This is a no brainer. I mean, whether you whether it's if times are really really tough right now, one kid six bucks. Make that donation. Mm-hmm. I'm doing ten right now. All right, so I'm going to sponsor mm-hmm. ten kids. To go through that, everybody out there can do at least 10. You can do a whole lot more than that, then do a whole lot more than that. But now is a great time to be a part of it. Let's back up, Matt, to getting the, the shoeboxes out there. So, so walk us through the whole Operation Christmas Child process. Right. So we're in the middle of it right now. We've got eight processing centers around the U.S. that are processing all 9 million gift boxes that have been collected uh, around the U.S. We, we can't do it without these uh, families and kids and churches that are packing boxes around the U.S., that are collecting boxes, that are putting them through these processing centers. We open up every box. We make sure that it's uh, packed well, and then we seal it up with tape, and we put it in a shipping container. Uh, we ship those uh, containers to over 100 countries around the world. We've got national leadership teams of volunteers in every single one of those countries that we are in year-round communication with and getting them prepped to um, import and to receive the gift boxes, and they'll see those in, the, um, in, in a very short time, and then they'll get those distributed out to churches around each one of those countries. It, it truly is a, a, a Herculean effort every single year. It's a, 
it truly is a pipeline for the gospel of Jesus Christ that's been set up with volunteers, with training, uh, with reporting. It's a whole project every single year that goes out, and we're right in the middle of it right now with uh, volunteers coming into processing centers, and we're shipping out containers every day to these 100-plus countries. It's really cool to see. I, I, you know, I just want to back up to the middle of that process, so because this is huge. You know, it's one thing to mail a package to somebody around the country; it's another thing for that kid to receive that package from someone that's in their community that they now are building that relationship, which is where this whole discipleship thing begins. So the the gift essentially opens the door, right? I mean, now you have a way to 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 reach, you know, to start the relationship with with that child. But we're not just sending this, you know, and somebody dropping it off at their house. This is a big, big part of how you start that discipleship and that, well, I guess it starts with evangelism, but I mean, it, this is the intro, if you will, in many ways to starting the relationship. Well, you're exactly right. We, we reach into communities and parts of the world that, um, that, that people can't get into. Otherwise, um, a, gift, a gift just opens doors. Uh, we talk to people uh, from different faiths, and we say, hey, we'd love to give gifts to your kids. And while we're here, we want to talk to you about the love of God and who His Son, Jesus Christ, is. And, and you're right, every one of those uh, OCC gift boxes is hand-delivered to a child through the local church. So now that child is connected to their local church. they got questions they can go back. Many of them are invited back for the greatest journey uh, alongside a teacher out of that local church. So it, it all just makes sense. It's all connected. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful project. Local churches partnering from here in the U.S. and around the world to local churches in other parts of the world. And really, the local church has been there uh, in these communities long before Operation Christmas Child gets there, and the local church is going to be there long after. And so it's really the most sustainable way that we can serve in, in a lot of these communities. And so we just we just talk with the churches. We're aligned with the Great Commission. We want to see disciples made. We want to see uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ preached. And so do these churches, and that's what we're here for, and that's why we partner with them. Man, you have, you guys have the the, the network, the, the the backbone, the strategy, the relationships. It's it's all right there. Our our role is to come put some fuel on the tank and 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 help make this happen. And it's so easy to do, folks. AFR.net today to make your donation or eight seven seven six one six two three nine six. It's six bucks, six bucks to sponsor a kid through the uh, Greatest Journey program. And so easily go in there and do ten kids or a hundred kids or whatever Lord puts on your heart today. But AFR.net phone number again eight seven seven six one six Two three nine six, Matt. If I could, I'm, I'm sorry, man. I'm a country boy from Dripping Springs, Texas, so I'm a little slow on a lot of this stuff. Back <laughs> up to the box itself, and and families that that want to participate that ha- they've seen this around, they've seen at their church the stack of boxes or at somebody else's, and they want to start being a part of that from the beginning and 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 maybe get their kids involved in packing these boxes and and being a blessing. If they've if they're not connected to anybody, how can they get started on that side of it as well? Well, you're right. It is super simple. So um, getting connected is easy as going to SamaritansPurse.com and uh, clicking on the OCC link there, and you get connected with a, a drop-off location or a contact person in that person's community. Um, but really, it, it can start even before that. You take an old shoebox, uh, you go to the store uh, either by yourself or you take a, a kid with you, and you, um, you select um, uh, the age range that you want to pack a shoebox for, uh, you select if you want to pack for a, a little girl or a little boy, and then you just put items into that box. You find a soccer ball, you find a stuffed animal, you put in um, school supplies, you put in some toiletries, a, a washcloth, 
um, and really just fill that box as, as packed as you can get it, and you get it then to this drop-off location. Again, you can go on to SamaritansPurse.com and find uh, where exactly those drop-off locations are uh, in, in particular communities, and then, um, and then we take it from there, and it gets, it gets into the pipeline and gets sent out. And you said 1993, that's when it started? 1993, the beginning of Operation Christmas Child. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. And over 200 million of those shoe boxes uh, delivered, and now 30 something million, 30, almost 31 million now, getting close to 31 million uh, kids that have now gone through actually being discipled, having the chance to, to, to go through and learn, not just, a, not just a quick message. I mean, this is literally taking them through a 12 lesson Bible study course. 21, if I'm reading this right, 21.7 million graduates of that. I just, I'm sorry, man. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. I did not know well, it was reaching that. Yeah. I, I knew about the boxes. I knew about the blessings. I mean, we participated in that. So I knew about that part. I had no idea you guys uh, were reaching uh, that deep and actually getting that kind of discipleship and training um, and that many kids, 15 million decisions for Christ and uh, no telling how many more after this year with all the folks that are going to donate, uh, do boxes, get them in. Uh, AFR.net is the place to donate today, 877-616-2396. Matt, for you, this has been, what, two decades you've been doing this? Almost. Not quite. <laughs> <laughs> Almost. Next there. year is two decades, right? So, oh, how cool, man. That's quite a that's quite a legacy, quite a blessing. I mean, sometimes we hope to impact you know, a couple of people and have a positive impact on our own kids, let alone, in your case, millions of kids around the world. That's a, what a blessing that God's using you in that way. Yeah. Well, he's faithful and he's good, and we give him all the glory, don't we? Amen. Amen. No doubt about it. Well, what a great opportunity for folks to get involved. Matt, I appreciate you, brother. Thank you for, for sharing with us this afternoon and, and, and actually informing us. Like I said, I mean, I knew about the shoeboxes, did not know about the greatest journey and, and the level of depth you guys there and the level of, of reach. So really appreciate you just taking time to be with us and share. And I hope a lot of people will go today and donate. And uh, not only will we get a lot more boxes out there, but you'll be able to disciple a lot more of those kids across the, across the world. Amen. That's wonderful. Thanks so much, Rick. We appreciate you. Appreciate folks packing boxes and appreciate the support with The Greatest Journey. Love it. That's Matt Cottrell, folks. Make sure you go today and make that donation. This is the time. Be a part of Operation Blessing and and uh, and Samaritan's Purse and touching all these kids across the country. I mean, across the country. I keep thinking country because I'm always fighting for, for the Constitution across the country, but this is around the world. You get to be an, an impact around the world, and that's the command. We're supposed to disciple all nations, folks, all nations, and, and, and this is an organization that's been doing it now for nearly 30 years and doing it effectively, not just throwing money out there and wasting money. Think about how many people they have touched and how small that number is in terms of dollars. Six bucks. With six dollars, you can disciple a child. That is absolute, that, that absolutely blows my mind and the impact the millions and millions of kids that have been through this program. So make that donation today. You know, do six, one kid, six bucks, ten kids, sixty bucks, whatever the Lord puts on your heart. AFR.net is the place to do that today. Or you can call in 877 616 2396. That's 877-616-2396 or at AFR.net. Be a blessing to a kid somewhere across the world today. Stay with us, folks. We're going to take a quick break. I'm Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach. You are listening to AFA at the Core. AFR programming is now available on Alexa. You're joking, right? Nope, not joking. Seriously? Yep, this is not a drill. 
Wait a minute. No way. There's a way. The Alexa way. So if you just happen to miss your favorite shows, no worries. You can now listen to each podcast with Alexa. It's simple and it's free. Just visit AFR.net forward slash apps and click Alexa. We're not joking. By now, you know that Sandy Rios has stepped away from the morning show. But don't despair. Sandy is shifting her talents to podcasting. She'll still be a part of AFR. And now she won't need to wake up hours before the sun to keep us informed and encouraged every day. On the podcast, Sandy Rios 24-7, you can enjoy the knowledge, insight, and interviews you've always loved on Sandy's morning show. Sandy Rios 24-7, beginning the week of January 9th on AFR.net. If you are 65 or older, you know this. Watching your hard-earned dollars fly out the window on health care costs is frustrating. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare 65+. Plus. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills, and it really is a community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. Well, MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years, and it's easy. You can use any Medicare-approved doctor or get 24-7 telehealth access from the comfort of your home. Very worth looking into during Medicare open enrollment, which ends December 7th. If you join right now, your second month share will be free. So don't miss this chance. Call 833-45-BIBLE. That's 833-45-BIBLE. 833-45-BIBLE. I'm Peter Rosenberger, and this is your Caregiver Minute. I've got to. I need to. I have to. These are all statements made by every caregiver at some point, and sadly, all too frequently. The feeling of obligation drives us to push ourselves to dangerous stress levels for our health, finances, and emotional stability. But the fact is, we didn't cause what is happening to our loved ones, and we certainly can't fix it. As caregivers, we're not owners. We're stewards. By embracing stewardship, it frees us to accept we are doing the best we can with what we have. Feeling obligated can quickly take us into resentment, which compromises our ability to live healthy lives and serve as healthy caregivers. Adopting an attitude of stewardship, however, helps us breathe easier and treat ourselves with mercy, all of which equips us to be a better caregiver. This has been your Caregiver Minute with Peter Rosenberger, brought to you by Standing with Hope, a ministry for the wounded and those who care for them. There's more information at standingwithhope.com. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core. Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach, with you this afternoon. All right, looking for some phone calls, 888-589-8840. If you want to participate in the program today, you might have a comment or question. Hey, maybe you've got a Samaritan's Purse story where folks in your community or your church or maybe even just your family uh, took on that project and were able to, to bless kids around the world. And, uh, and and I would encourage uh, everybody to participate in, in some way, shape, or form, whether you uh, donate today at the website, AFR.net. It's only 6 bucks to, to put a kid through the discipleship program called The Greatest Journey. That's after they get the box. So they get the shoebox, they get the blessing, and then there's a way for them to then dive in and, and actually be connected and and, uh, and get a chance to, to learn about the gospel and then be discipled. And, uh, man, millions. I, I, Matt blew me away with that interview. I, I cannot believe that. 30.9 million Shoebox recipients have participated in the greatest journey. That's incredible. 21 million have graduated, went all the way through it, and then 15 million decisions for Christ. 
Absolutely incredible. So if you want to donate, you can donate at AFR.net or you can call in 877-616-2396. A couple other quick headlines. While uh, if folks want to call in uh, for the program and talk uh, on the show this afternoon, you can call this other number, which is 888-589-8840. I know I need to slow down. I go too fast. Don't I? 888-589-8840. I get excited. Okay, it's December 6th. This is the big day in Georgia. We've got the big runoff there. Of course, now it's uh, essentially going to determine whether the Senate will be 51-49 or 50-50. So, um, you know, on many levels, this is an incredibly important race. If you're in Georgia, make sure you are going to vote. Um, you get, you got, you still got hours that you can go vote. And what I read uh, a few minutes ago is that it's only like a 43-second wait time. <laughs> so they're down to seconds, not even minutes, uh, to get in and vote. An incredibly important vote. Listen, folks, Raphael Warnock is one of the most radical leftists in the nation, and he is right now serving in the United States Senate from a state like Georgia? Are you kidding me? Maybe California. This guy's a radical pro-abortionist, radical economic leftist, all about the critical race theory and all of those things. He has no business serving in the United States Senate representing a state like Georgia. Uh, so, folks in Georgia, it's time for you to, to get busy. you only got a few hours left to do that. It's uh, it's Warnock or Walker, Herschel Walker versus Raphael Warnock. Get out there and vote. Uh, you decide. You look at their record and you say, what should I as a Bible-believing Christian do in this situation? All right? They're both flawed men. Just like every race you ever go vote, you're always going to vote for the lesser of two evils. Unless Jesus Christ is on the ballot, which he's not, uh, you are not going to find a perfect candidate ever. I'm certainly a flawed individual. Uh, I'm wretched, just like you, and so are every other. Uh, you know, so so is every candidate that's on the ballot. Well, you've got you got to decide which one's most biblical or least biblical. Even though one is called a pastor, I would say his positions are very anti-biblical. And uh, that's not to say Herschel Walker's positions are perfect or that he's lived a perfect life. But you know, go do your homework. I'm not going to tell you which one to vote for. Just going to say do your homework and 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 pay attention to 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 how they both uh, live. And, uh, and, and and what their positions are and who they're going to support when they get into the Senate. <clears throat> All right, we got a uh, phone number, 888-589-8840, if you want to call in and join the program today. Other things happening in Washington, D.C. Of course, you've got a, uh, still got a race going on for Speaker of the House. You know, Kevin McCarthy, the, um, uh, the, the, the House minority leader right now, clearly with the advantage, has been elected in the caucus, but not yet um, sure that he would be elected on the floor. There's a, there's a major challenge from dozens of Republicans who are saying that they want someone else and therefore they're going to vote for someone else when it comes to the floor in January, and they actually have the final, final vote. For speaker, so Andy Biggs of Arizona is uh, is apparently running uh, again. He ran in the caucus. He's gonna uh, says he's gonna take it all the way to the House floor. This could be one of those situations like 1923, where it took three days and uh, I think a dozen or so votes before they finally got a speaker of the House. Could turn into whatever that 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 year was, 1857, I think it was. I can't remember the exact year, but hundreds of votes before they finally got a speaker of the House. It took two months. Crazy, crazy. But but that's you know sometimes that's how it works. This is the this is the process. So that will be interesting to keep an eye on and watch. Uh, we'll, we'll see just how far that, that thing goes. I, I will say, as you know, if you listen to the program daily, I've been mixed on, on Kevin McCarthy. I thought he had it. I thought it was in the bag. Um, he is not the conservative that uh, that a Jim Jordan or a Chip Roy would be. Um, but I tell you what, he's being forced by conservatives to do more conservative things. For instance, he's already said 
that they are going to not they're going to hold up the defense authorization uh, spending bill unless the mandate is removed they've got to get rid of the mandate we've been saying that you know for obviously from the beginning it's decimating our military it's pushing out all the you know tons of good people it's it's absolutely wrong what they're doing and uh, so at least he's holding the line on that so you know i think odds are he probably still ends up being speaker but it is not over and there's a chance we could get a more conservative speaker and if we do that's great but if not, if we get McCarthy, at least the conservatives are forcing him to be more conservative and uh, and, and and govern as a conservative. There's a lot of people that 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 you know um, have been there a long time and 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 basically have relationships with with McCarthy or were you know got a lot of help from McCarthy when they ran for office, and so you know they're they're likely going to support him. That's why he has a huge huge advantage. Uh yeah, I was uh, I was trying to look for the year. I was trying to find that year in the 1800s when it took so long. I can't I can't find it. Oh well, uh, it's definitely not the first time that this type of thing has happened. We'll just we'll see just how bad it is. Uh, another headline that I uh, thought was important: ICE is massively misreporting how many illegal immigrants are being released with GPS trackers. You know this is crazy. I mean this is crazy. We have got to take these illegal immigrants that are coming across illegally thanks to this horrible administration in Washington D.C. Absolutely. Uh, you know, failing at their job constitutionally uh, and what they're supposed to do, and we're just we're just pushing these people further into the country. We should be returning them to Mexico if we're not going to do what what was working under the Trump administration, the remain in Mexico policy. Then we should at least once they get in here, process them, but then push them back into Mexico. That's the only way you're going to stop this nonsense. The good news is that the governor of Texas has finally, finally, after seven years of trying to get him to do it and really two years of hard pushing him to do it, has finally uh, acknowledged that the Constitution does allow for states to do this when the feds fail. Article uh, 1, Section 4, um, it's it's supposed to, I'm sorry, Article 4 um, gives the responsibility to the federal government. They haven't done it, so Article 1, Section 10 allows for the states to take care of it when uh, it's not being done by the Fed. So that's uh, that's something that um, uh, the states will eventually have to do. Now, if Katie Hobbs does actually get sworn in in, uh, in Arizona, you can bet Arizona is going to be an open border. There's no way it's going to happen. If Carrie Lake is successful in her lawsuit based on the voter suppression that took place there on Election Day and the disaster of an election that Katie Hobbs ran as a candidate for governor. She's running the election. That No problems there, I'm sure. Um, if Katie Hobbs can be successful in that lawsuit and become governor of Arizona, then she will close the border in Arizona, and that will force Greg Abbott not just to say that he can declare an invasion or that he actually declares an invasion, but that he'll actually do what's necessary, which is take those people and push them back across the border uh, to, to Mexico. Uh, but that is at this point, you know, if you're if you're an odds maker and you're betting on that, the odds are against us that Kerry Lake would win that lawsuit. But it's not impossible at all. In fact, I would handicap it at about a 30 percent chance, which is pretty decent. And we'll see if the, the if the courts actually uphold the law and, and put some integrity back into our election process. Phone number to call in if you'd like to participate today. 888-589-8840. We will go to Mike in South Carolina. Mike, thanks for calling in today. What's your comment or question or insult? We take it all. I enjoy your show. You're you're full of all kind of information, and I was just my little quick question was, you know, with the when the Republicans take the House uh, first year or whatever, and and you know McCarthy just laid out a few little things he's wanting to do. Should 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 the Republicans go ahead and put on the thing of maybe impeaching Biden? I mean, that seems like that would be a, a good thing to do amongst all the other stuff. 
Yeah, Mike, you know, listen, man, I, I know a lot of people will say, yeah, but you'd never get a conviction in the Senate, so why do it? You know what? You do the right thing. And and, and this guy has uh, absolutely violated the Constitution in a dozen different ways. So there's a lot of different ways that they could do impeachment on him or file impeachment on him. And I, and I think get him impeached in the, in the House and then it would go over to the Senate and they'd have the actual trial. And of course, the Democrats are going to defend him and, and you won't get the, the two thirds necessary to um, convict him of impeachment. But I agree with you. I think we should. Absolutely. I mean, first of all, just the open border is enough of a reason to impeach him. Uh, then you've got all of the, all of the Hunter Biden stuff and the, and the literally, you know, making uh, essentially selling influence as a nation and uh, and allowing his son to make millions and millions of dollars and for all we know he made money off of that so that's going to be investigated i mean they're, they're the, the house republicans have said they're going into the details on this and they're going to make make it public um then you've got the whole collusion with big tech and and the and the you know violation of the of the first amendment and free speech but I, I actually hope, Mike, that they start impeachment with Mayorkas. So he's the one that's supposed to be responsible for sealing the border. He's lied to the American people and said the border is secure. Um, Vice President Harris has lied to the American people and said the border is secure. It's clearly not secure. Over 5 million that have come across illegally, over a million that have come across illegally, and we don't even know who they are or where they are. We didn't even stop them. We didn't catch them. They got away in the middle of the night. We see them on the scanner, but that's about it. Uh, that's a that's an incredibly incredibly dangerous thing for our for our country and 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 um, you know terrorism and and economic. I mean, you just go down the list. Uh, the drug, I mean, the cartels. The 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 biggest killer now is the the fentanyl. And we're just letting this stuff come across the border uh, because of a dereliction of duty on the part of Mayorkas and uh, Joe Biden. So I, yeah, Mike, I agree, man. I I think they should. I I don't care if they can get a conviction over in the Senate. Uh, they should have the hearings. They should they should absolutely impeach. And uh, and and frankly, there's probably more in the in the administration that should be impeached than Mayorkas that and Biden. But but man, let's let's start with those two for sure, and uh, and let's get some you know actually get back to the rule of law. You know, actually uphold the Constitution. Actually talk about those things. I'll tell you this: if they don't, if if the House, if if the Republicans that have now been given a majority in the House, if they do not. Uh, move forward aggressively and start taking ground back. If they do not scratch and claw in the trenches and fight back for the liberty of this country, I don't think Republicans will have another victory. I, I don't think there's any way Republicans will win the House uh, or win the the White House in in 2024. There's no way they'll take the Senate back in 2024. If the Republican majority House that that we're about to be the, you know uh, that's about to be given in Washington D.C. is not aggressive and doesn't stand its ground and doesn't have the hearings that we're talking about and the investigations that we're talking about that doesn't hold the 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 use the power of the purse and the budget to to stop this slouch towards Gomorrah and the, these crazy things that the president has been doing this bribing of schools all across the nation saying we're not, you don't get your lunch money unless you allow boys into girls bathrooms unless you allow boys into girls locker rooms and showers. I mean, that kind of stuff has got to stop, and this Republican House will have the power to do that. They won't have the power to roll back a lot, but they can stop the insanity. They can, they, they, they can use the negotiation tactics when it comes down to, the, to the, um, you know, the budget bills and everything else. If they would do that, then I think they, then, the, then the Republican Party would be given victories for the White House, for the Senate, and after 2024 going into 2025, we'd have a chance to reverse uh, a lot of this stuff and actually gain ground. But if they cower, if they give in, if they allow more and more like this, I mean, unfortunately, look at this destruction of marriage act. If, if that thing was put to a vote 
after January 1, it probably would still pass based on the 12 Republicans that voted for it in the Senate and the 47 Republicans that voted for it in the House. That's not going to win the culture back. That's not going to convince people that we can save the nation. So they've got to do better. Um, now, I don't know. I have not broken down how many of those 12 senators are not up for reelection and, and 47 and all that. So it could very well uh, change in January. But, man, they're going to have to become bold as lions and stop being lambs. That's the only way we're going to win this thing back. Next caller is Tim in Arkansas. Tim, go ahead, man. Where are you calling from in Arkansas, and what's your question? Hey, Tim, I can't, you there? Yeah. Go for it, man. We got uh, about have, 90 seconds. Okay. What I was going to say, if they Im- impeach Biden, that puts Harris up to president, and that puts the majority speaker of the House next in line. So he would come up and be vice president, and he would have the deciding vote. Well, no, and no, it doesn't work that way. Uh, let me correct you, Tim, real quick. Uh, you, yeah, if if the president's impeached, then the vice president would become president, but then then that new president would get the name of VP that would have to be approved, uh, but the speaker does not become vice president. The only way the speaker steps in is if both the president and the vice president are incapacitated and and and, and remove, you know, out of the out of the picture, either they're both uh, impeached at the exact same time or something like that would have to happen for the Speaker of the House to, to, to ascend to the, to the presidency. And even then, uh, just to, I, hate to, I hate to depress you, but even then, uh, there are questions about whether or not the Speaker being in the line of succession is even constitutional. It's not in the Constitution. It's in the, it's in the federal law for succession that the 25th Amendment calls on Congress to, 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 to set up and, and pass. And, uh, and there are folks that think that based on the language and the, and the drafting of the original Constitution that you shouldn't allow for an executive, uh, uh, I'm sorry, a, a, a legislative branch official to step in in, in, the, in that scenario. That is the current law under the federal law. So you, you, you would be right that the speaker would likely become president if both the president and the vice president were incapacitated or impeached at the exact same time. Not likely that that's going to happen, though. So uh, unfortunately, um, that scenario is not one that, 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 that could happen. Uh, I think the 25th Amendment should be invoked. I think the president should be removed just based for being for being incompetent. Everybody knows at this point that the president is incapacitated mentally, and that's the reason the 25th Amendment was put into the Constitution. The only reason the Democrats haven't done that yet is that Kamala Harris polls in the 20s, even worse than Biden's in the 30s, and so uh, they know she'd be a disaster for them. But constitutionally speaking, it's the right thing to do. Not that I want an acting President Harris, <laughs> but it's the constitutionally right thing to do when you have an incapacitated president. Okay, that's all we got uh, in terms of time for today, folks. I'll see you on Thursday in the afternoon for AFA at the Core. I'm Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach. Thanks so much for listening to AFA at the Core. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.